What's going on, peoples? This is your boy DJ EFN, founder and CEO of Crazy Hood Productions. And for those not familiar, co-creator and co-host of the Drink Champs podcast with my brother N-O-R-E, a.k.a. Noriega. This year marks the 25th anniversary of our company, Crazy Hood Productions, a company which was formed and started around a crew of high school friends who had a common passion for hip-hop culture and wanted to represent their city of Miami, Florida. In these 25 years, we have done a lot and seen a lot. We've gone through the good times and the bad, but all in all, what allows us to persevere is the bond of friendship and brotherhood. Like most crews and organizations, we have our differences and our own individual stories, So it's only right that on this 25th year of existence that those individual stories be heard. No one story is more important than the other, even if the stories may not match up sometimes. Real truth is always found when you get all angles of the story. To help tell that story, our homie Jay Havana has taken upon himself to collaborate with us on this special series we call Family Ties. From Crazy Hood Productions, I'm Jay Havana. This is Family Ties. Today's episode is about Paul, also known as Weird Thoughts, one of the founding members of the All, OG Crazy Hood member, and host of Drink Champ Sports. Listen close as he shares his story from the beginning when he first discovered hip hop to meeting a group of individuals that will form an alliance that evolved into an empire. Always authentic. Always crazy. Another day, another dollar, my story to tell. Another failed piss test, I'm back to jail. Jail cells overcrowded with killers and thieves. Putting work, motherfuckers, roll up your sleeves. I'm Com Town representer, I'm letting them know. I keep it hood with a nigga, so hand me my dough. I don't play when it comes to bread or the raps instead. Get the killer motherfucker till his vocals dead. My crazy hood overthrowing, shut up. Nigga, you see the pistol showing from the CPT. Down with EFN between the beef and the peace, local line is thin. Real in the fake, couple lies get in. Couple of stripper holes. Who's Paul? I well, um, you know that that's something that nobody ever really asks. Who's Paul Landano, right? Well, I'm the youngest of five. My parents are immigrants from Colombia. Um, they came to the states in the late '60s. Early 70s, if I'm not mistaken. And I had an older brother and two sisters in Columbia. My parents had my sister and myself in Passaic, New Jersey. Um, you know, I grew up in Passaic, New Jersey. It was a small town. There's a lot of famous people from Passaic, New Jersey. You know, present day, uh, Zoe Saldana, Paul, Paul Rudd. I think his name is Ant-Man, in other words. Yeah, yeah. Um, Joe Piscopo was an old-school 80s actor. He was in the Breaking um, movie, you know. So, um, I mean, I'm from Passaic, and basically grew, was a young boy, uh, middle school, high school. Uh, I was there for a while. You know, I'm, I'm glad that I had the experience that I had in Passaic because mm-hmm. it taught me a lot when I came to Miami at that time. Um, when in New Jersey you grew up, when did you start listening to um to hip hop? Hip hop was always there, you know, for the most part. I mean, um I was born in seventy five, you know, from from the history, hip hop was born or created 
or basically give it the actual name hip hop in '74. Mm-hmm. You know, we've been we've been known we've known after so many years that they were already doing hip hop, not knowing it was called hip hop until uh, Cool Hurt gave it the name hip hop. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, as a kid from Jersey, you know, we're 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 right with New York. You know, New York is the mecca. You know, people always right. call Jersey secondhand or the little brother. Um, you know, people always call it, some people call it the armpit of New York. It was hilarious, all the names that we got. But Jersey had its own, its own, you know, essence. But as a kid, I can remember as, for, as young as kindergarten, you know, listening to uh, Sugar, the Sugar Hill Gang, you know, on the radio. Uh you know, Troutman, you know, the computer love, you know, and then growing up in my elementary years with Run DMC and, you know, Curtis Blow, you know, Grandmaster Flash, like if I know them by name, no, but I knew the songs, you know, mm-hmm. Rock Bass was some was somebody big in, in that time, you know, and the whole, the whole vibe of, of listening to hip hop and, and becoming hip hop was just natural because that's what was there for me okay while in new jersey did you fall in love with sports back then as well well yeah uh definitely i mean you know my parents being from columbia you know my dad was always into the soccer Mm -hmm. Uh, even as a little boy i never really felt that love for soccer because you know i wasn't into the whole running from one field of them kicking the ball and then me having to run all the way back But the actual sports, the actual culture of sports, yeah, that was something that even when Biggie said, you're selling crack rocks or you got a wicked jump shot, I mean, that was a way out when he said that. Mm -hmm. But as a kid from Jersey, you know, there was real issues going on. You know, basically you are your surroundings, you know, so if people grew up in a different household that didn't involve sports, then I understand why they don't see that. But as far as me, I was into sports. And you also mentioned how sports um, allowed you to express yourself without speaking, aside from rap. Um, yeah, yeah, that, that's actually very true. You know, um, being that I was, let's say, one of the few Spanish kids growing up in my neighborhood, um, in my, in the classroom. You know, I, when I say one of the few, that doesn't mean that it was all whites or all blacks, you know, it was a big melting pot in, in Jersey. There was Indians, there was Filipinos, there was Italian, Irish, you know, there was um, blacks. I didn't know Caribbean. It was like um, African-American, like black American. It wasn't like Caribbean dudes or nothing. But as far as playing sports, you know, being that I'm a minority, in a minority town, when we play basketball, I know how to dribble. I taught myself how to dribble. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I taught myself how to play everything. I never played any fundamental sports until I was in my later years in elementary, fifth, sixth, going into middle school. But it allowed me to be represented in a way where if I didn't know you or I wasn't in the streets hustling or I wasn't a cool kid with the sneakers or looking cool dressed up when we played ball, I, I was just as competitive, so that that allowed me to, you know, speak in other volumes as far as being uh, uh, challenging, not being scared to play, playing with the big boys, you know, playing mm-hmm. with kids older than 
little selfish, but for me, it was important for me to be in the in crowd. And if I had to take a jump shot or a rebound or defense or catch a football, I did it. And and, and it was noticed and, and respected. And that's something that I always carry with myself on top of everything, you know, on top of seeing everything on, on TV and shit. Right. And aside from sports, hip hop was another way was another way of expression for you. Um, I know you've spoken about how um, you used to memorize Run DMC raps back in third grade. Was it? Well, you know, when Raise the Hell came out, I think I was a little older than that, but I, I, and it did teach me to learn Run DMC with rock. You know. Um, what is it, King of Rock, um, Melly Mel, and Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five, Curtis Blow. So I've been breakdancing since I was like in third grade. Was I good at it? No, you know, I wasn't the best. Mm-hmm. But I'm there I'm there with my $7 windbreaker trying to breakdance and do windmills on concrete. You know, I was pop-locking since I was in second grade. That's something that I saw. That's something that I want to emulate. Mm-hmm. And when I wasn't dancing, like when it was my my buddy's turn and he was breakdancing, I wanted to say the rhymes that I know. And I never freestyled it because I didn't even know that I could be that creative. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to say the up to the latest modern rhymes. So while my friends was, free, was breakdancing, I'm standing on the corner. Another one of my homeboys is beatboxing. But I'm saying a Melly Mel rhyme. I'm saying, you know, a basketball from Curtis Blow um, rhyme. I'm saying, you know, the Run DMC rhymes with Peter Piper and all of that stuff. So I always wanted to have that attention as 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 a member of while my boys is breakdancing. I'm gonna be rapping, and it was it was all fun. You know, it wasn't like a massive crowd of people there. It was about a good six of us, maybe a little bit more, a little bit less here and there. Yeah. So that's something that was always cool to me. So when you were in New Jersey, did you already have the name Weird Thoughts or did you go by another name? No, man. I mean, um, it's funny because um, as a kid growing up, you know, uh, I was just Paul, you know, and listening to other music outside of hip hop, you know, listening to Lisa Lisa Cold Jam, which wasn't really considered hip hop, but had some vibes to it. Mm-hmm. You know, Madonna, Michael Jackson, all of that stuff. So, as a kid, being in the vibe of breakdancing and pop locking, you know, when I'm out here doing this and I'm not a student or I'm not a son or a little brother, you know, I wanted to have a cool name. So, I see there's a Run DMC, I see there's a Cool Mo D, I see there's a LL Cool J, I see there's a D Nice, I see there's a Greg Nice, you know. And I thought I was being super creative by calling myself P Nice. There you go. You know, but the only the only people that ever really know that I was called P Nice was maybe like three people. You know, what right. I'm saying like the the, the three the, my, the crew. You know, what, yeah. whatever three friends I have, whether it be cousins or neighbors. You know, can I say they call me P Nice? Nah, I'd be lying to you. You know, I call myself P Nice, but you know, I ran with it. You know, I thought I was somebody at that at that age. You know, this is like eight, nine years old, you know, 10 years old. And I'm calling myself P-Nice. You know, it was funny. Now that I think about it, it was hilarious. <laughs> One of the most impactful songs 
that happened in your early early ages as hip hop was growing and you were becoming where you listened to it and everything like that was uh the Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five song White Lines. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, definitely. I mean the whole the whole melody, you know, the whole the the chorus, you know, white lines coming to that whole that whole vibe brought me to the skating rink, brought me to the neighborhood, you know, um, people having barbecues, people just listening with their boombox, you know, while I'm playing basketball on the streets, they got their 12 pound boombox, you know, on the on the skateboard, rolling through and the music just blasting, you know, and, it, and you know, my neighborhood in Pasig, you know, wasn't the suburbs, you feel me, it wasn't Kendall, right. you know, um, I could remember vividly my neighbor next to me house getting raided you know i remember um crack vials uh, on on the concrete like literally you know um nobody in my family did crack thank the lord but that doesn't mean people weren't doing it you know it was right. it went from one day to the next and these are all true stories facts i mean i'm not making up anything you know we walk all across the street to go to the store to get to the bodega and there's one time my cousin fernando and i we counted at least 25 empty crack vials just laying there on the street, you know. So wow. we know those are drugs. We don't know what kind of drugs it is, but we know what they are. Mm-hmm. You know, we've never seen the crack, you know, but we know what it is. You know, um, another neighbor next to us, he got killed. A dude is laying there in my neighbor's yard, you know, for drug-related incident. You know, they took his gold chain and they took his money or whatever the case may be. And it was like, wow, you know, like, I see it. So when that song came on, as the melody hit and as we're dancing in the skating ring and the words finally hit me growing up, it was like, I I can relate. I understand what's going on. And for somebody at my age, you know, uh, 10, 11, 12 years old, hearing that, but also seeing it, it's, you know, it's kind of, a, it's kind of weird, you know, I have to, I have to put a sidebar here and say, you know, at this age now that I am, and I tell my kids stories, you know, I don't really touch on these, these experiences that I had, but it's funny because you become your own man mm-hmm. as you grow up. And when you tell a story, you always say, man, when I was a kid, and then everybody in the whole room understands that here comes daddy or here comes Paul with another crazy ass story. But it's true. You right. know, it's, it's for real. It's for real true facts. Uh, it's something that I saw and lived. And and that song, the message, broken glass everywhere, you know, that was real. You know, there was, it was something that I imagine it happened in everybody's upbringing. Mm-hmm. But it was it was real. It was live, you know, in, in Jersey when I was growing up. And another song that you said um, had an impact um, with you at a young age was the special ed song "I Got It Made." Yeah, that was one. Of them. That's still t- today my favorite. You know, I mean, out of all the big songs with Rockem with. Big Daddy Kane, all the big songs with Karis, one of my philosophy is one of the best songs I love, you know, and, and and everything else, you know. I remember 
being in the boys club in the YMCA, you know, my parents knew that I liked sports, so they tried to keep me away from from hanging out in the streets or just being a couch potato at the crib, you know, mm-hmm. just even though they you know, cable had just started, you know, we didn't have cable, you know, my dad had a key in the box where if he turns the key in the box, I could watch two, three channels, but if he turns that key, I can't watch no channels, you know, that's how the cable was, it's nuts, but had they put, they put me in the YMCA and in that program, I was able to experience what was called a two-week outgoing project where me my man ronnie gonzalez who's one of my best friends from third grade he's actually a principal from what i hear Mm -hmm. as of late he's a principal in the bronx somewhere my other homeboy that went with us his name is uh richard carter Mm -hmm. you know he's in houston right now he's a big uh, community involving person great dad he played for the University of Iowa Hawkeyes for four years, so I always got my salute for his discipline and dedication in sports also. Right. My cousin Fernando. So we go to this two-week project program in William Patterson College. Mm-hmm. Never been there before, never heard of it before, but that's what we were going. So we jump on the bus, not knowing that when we get off the bus, we're the only ones from Passaic there. There's other kids there from Patterson, from Newark, um, I want to say Camden. Like there was a lot of kids there. It was about over a hundred kids there, but we like the only ones from Passaic. Mm-hmm. So what I realized was this was one of those um, programs where troubled kids or kids from the streets would were taken to to not go to juvie, you know, to not you know, you know, it, to not be left back you know left out so i was involved you know i was i went to juvie one time for like a day and a half and i understood that to not go to juvie you have to do right so even at that age i was like i gotta get out of here you know so i was open to all all options so this two-week program was something cool so let me move it forward Mm -hmm. so now we're in the now we're in william patterson college we're in the registration you know, there's a lot of people there. And then, you know, the speakers start blaring in the gymnasium. Yeah. And we've all been to some sort of, uh, you know, event, you know, as, as far as a kid when I first, when my first experience was going to a New Jersey Nets game where Drazen Petrovic, as Jersey retired, because he had passed away in a car accident. You right. know, I saw Dr. J play for the first time. You know, that kind of stuff. You hear the speakers, but that's a big building, you know. Yeah. Even in the park, you hear people with the boombox. For me, going to William Patterson College, we're all there in registration, and then you hear the boom, 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 And I'm like, what the fuck? I'm a, I'm a kid. Like, what's going on? And then everybody just start dancing. Everybody start vibing. And I'm thinking everybody dancing. Maybe everybody wasn't, but in my eyes, everybody was like dancing and they were doing the running man and they were doing the cabbage patch. But when I tell you that they were dancing, it wasn't because like nowadays in 2018 or whatever, you know, somebody does the running man, you know, they automatically visualize Will Smith doing the running man in the first Prince of Bel-Air TV right. show. Like it's funny. Right. It wasn't funny. They wasn't mocking it. They wasn't making fun of it. They were for real doing the running man. Like that's the dance. Yeah. You know, they was doing the Bobby Brown dancing from every little step I take, the real dancing. So 
you imagine a hundred people doing a running man, cabbage patch kid, doing the Steve Martin dance, doing the 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 everything, you know, but it was because it was cool to do it. That's that was the vibe that it called for. So to me, that I got it made song is, is cemented in my head because of that moment, that vibe being out of town, being away from my parents, being in a in the hip hop, you know, culture where boom that whole vibe was serious, you know, so that song had a serious impact on me. That was powerful. So, um, still in New Jersey, as a young man, you had that passion for hip hop and sports. Can you tell that story of how you transitioned from New Jersey to Miami? Um, okay, well, I mean, it was simple, you know, um, my oldest sister, you know, got pregnant and, you know, for whatever issue she had, she wanted to get out of Jersey. So she came to Miami because my cousin, um, Caesar and his family had moved here. So she came and moved with them. You know, my parents didn't want her to be alone with a baby in the, in the state. Mm-hmm. So they kind of like packed up and just left. And my older brother, my second oldest sister, they stayed in the north area my brother still lives in jersey till, the, till today but i ended up making a move here like i didn't want to you know jersey was all i knew you know jersey is everything everything was my world you know mm-hmm. Pasig was Pasig was my world and jersey was my planet you know that's all i was able to understand at that moment so to go beyond that was something that wasn't part of the plan not even at all, you know, to fathom the idea to leave Jersey, you know, so I transitioned to Miami Mm -hmm. and I go to Sunset High School, you know, Um, my address. It's your junior year? uh, It's my junior year. Okay. It's my, it's, uh, it's, yeah, junior year started, I I arrived here. Mm -hmm. Um, My cousin Steve moved here before me, a year before me. Okay. So when I get to to Kendall, um, I don't know anybody, you know. And for my parents to allow me to ease into this transition as smooth as possible, they they make it work where I go to Steve's high school, and not the high school that my address, you know, was was supposed to I was supposed to go to. Right. So Steve introduces me to three dudes. One dude is named Danny, who's a good friend to this day. He's a Florida state trooper. You know, he, he he's from New York. He's from Woodside, Queens. But he moved here on his own time, you know, and, and he's good peoples. Uh, the second dude that he, that he introduced me to was uh, another Danny. Um, His name was Donuts. From the first day that they introduced me to him, his name was Donuts. So, you know, I met Donuts. And then the third dude he introduced me to was a Nicaraguan dude from New York. I don't know if he was from Queens. I want to say so. Mm-hmm. But his name was Ned. And we still good friends to this day. I, I consider him good friends. We don't see each other much because he has his own life and he has his own work, you know. But he's right. a great friend of mine. I used to call him Knockout Ned, like that dude from the City of Gods movie, you know. Right. He was a serious dude, but cool, cool peoples. So those were the three guys that I knew going into Sunset High School. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, I'm to myself. I don't know anybody. The transition from Jersey to Kendall, Miami, Florida is, is day and night. You know, I go from gritty, cold boots, you know, slush in the snow, pee and dirt in the snow and 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 the streets of crack and drugs and all of that. Mm-hmm. I go into 90210, you feel me? Like, I saw <laughs> yeah. dudes, blonde hair, you know, green eyes, people wearing sandals and Bermuda shorts to school. I'm like, what is going on here? What the fuck is this? Like, I didn't know this was real. Yeah. I thought this was something that you saw on TV. So it was a, it was a shock value at, at its highest for me. And at the same time, they're looking at me like, who the hell is this guy looking at you know, me? Now, now, a lot of people moved in that time to Kendall. So a lot of people are new to the vibe, you know, like my man Hector now, he was in Kendall at least three, four years before me. Okay. So he could tell you uh, uh, the whole the whole uh, transformation from Kendall then to Kendall now. You know, I came in that wave. So by me coming into that wave, you know, to me it was new. But Hector, he, he'll tell you in his own time how he saw that whole transformation happen. So here I am in, in, in Sunset, chilling, and, you know, to myself, you know, I don't know anybody, you know, I would see Danny and say, what's up, you know, people was dressed up in boys. To, if you wasn't dressed up in Bermuda shorts and sandals with sunglasses and blonde hair, then you were dressed up like boys to men. You know, some people right. took that as the as the cool way to dress. You know, they had this jeans, tuck, shirts tucked in with a tie, you know, and umbrellas. You know, if you feel me, like, mm-hmm. it's hilarious, you know, but that's the way they was dressed. And then I can remember one day I tell you how I met EFN because mm-hmm. it all happened so early in my in my transition over. You know, I'm in lunch class to myself. Donuts happens to see me one day and he said, hey, "Yo, ain't you Steve's cousin?" And I was like, "For sure." And he was like, "Yo, come sit with us." You know, who you sitting with? I said, "I ain't sitting with nobody. I wasn't even sitting down." Most of the time in the beginning of school, I was literally standing in the corner eating to myself, watching everybody because I didn't know who who to trust and I didn't know and I didn't want to talk to nobody. You know, some girls would say hi because they knew I was from Jersey, but I didn't talk to nobody else. So here I go sit down with donuts. He introduced me to two, three dudes. And then he introduced me to this kid named Eric. And he says, Eric, this is Paul, Paul, this is Eric. Now, the Eric I meet then, you know, he hates when I say this, you know, he had like the whole, you know, skater look, you know, he had his LA Raiders hat, I ain't gonna front, he had it. But he had his hair split down the middle with his hair falling off (laughs) to the tip of his ears. You know, that's just who his vibe was. You know, I ain't gonna diss him, that's what he was. You know, my hair, I didn't have a shaved head. I had my hair combed to the back with like a high top fade looking, like I had a fade. But it wasn't really a, a baldy. It was like a number two. But my hair was long on the top where I would comb it to the back trying to trying to be smooth for the ladies, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we were looking young as hell, you know? So I meet, I meet Eric, and then he asked me where I'm from. I said, New Jersey. I asked him where he's from. He says, California, but he's been living in Miami already a couple of years. You know, we get into the whole vibe of, of hip-hop, what kind of music you listen to. I say, it's rap, hip-hop. I tell him straight up, you know, this is what I do. He says he listens to it also. I said, good shit. 
he asked me who's my favorite artist. I say at that moment, when I made that transition to Miami, the hottest dude in rap was Ice Cube. Yeah. So I say Ice Cube. He says he's from California. His favorite artist is Ice Cube. And we never stopped talking about hip hop ever since. Stop. You know, his we both share the same rapper at that moment who was the favorite. And it was it was hip hop that brought us, you know, that connection and, and we still hip hop to the day. Yes, sir. So you meet E, you meet EFN, you guys built that friendship. And eventually you guys build off that and you guys hang out a lot. And then we had spoken about how you guys used to hang out um, at a park a lot. You got playing sports with other kids, like different crews would meet up at a park. And um, eventually you guys were known as the Kendall Park Boys. Um, Well, the way that worked out was, you know, um, everybody at that, it was it was weird because there was kids that that smoked weed back then, you know, and like I, I didn't I wasn't even smoking weed back then, you know, when I first moved here from Jersey, you know, but the whole vibe of let's hang out after school, you know, one thing that everybody learned when they moved to Miami was that you cannot walk the blocks the same way you walk the blocks in up north. Mm-hmm. You know, in New York, New Jersey, wherever you're from, you know, you you want to walk to the corner store. Yeah. You know, you want to walk to your friend's house. And you're used to walking a couple blocks. But in Miami, you know, a street light to a street light is, is a quarter of a mile. Yeah. You know, so when you first move here, you don't realize that till you fucking walked uh, to the corner, to the, to the street light. So one thing we learned was that you cannot walk anywhere. Right. There were some people that still did it, but we learned the hard way. So what we did was we would all say, let's meet up. Let's meet up at this party. Meet up and play ball. You down to play ball, let's play ball. And I'm I'm with it, you know. So the way it worked out for us is that Eric's um, childhood friend from elementary school or whatever, um, he played on the same paintball team with him. His name was Humphrey. He lived down the street from this park. So, you know, we he he had a more than a reason for us to go to this park. Like Eric, he didn't just go to the park to play ball and hang out with me. Mm-hmm. You know, he had a friend from for years that already knew that that park. He lived down the street from that park. So, you know, Eric would bring Humphrey along and then, you know, there was more people and more people and more people showed up. So we used to have that park jumping, man. When I tell you it was about fifty to sixty people in the park waiting to play on one basketball court and there was four basketball courts but wow. we played on one basketball court and everybody's waiting to play on that one court you know so um you know he would come we all would come you know that you know i met hector in basketball tryouts for sunset high school he would come you know everybody in the area would come to that park because it ended up being like a hangout hangout spot and a basketball court and mm-hmm. girls would go there you know so it was pretty cool um so that park is called sugarwood you know we call it sugarhood or you know we try to make it as ghetto as possible just because <laughs> it was hip-hop but it yeah. wasn't you know yeah kendall is not a ghetto you know but but there's murders here there's killings here there's robbing here there's rage here people sell cold drugs here right. everything that happened in every hood happens in Kendall but in the mid 90s 
home and we want to represent it. Mm-hmm. So people in the area, last thing before I continue, you know, right before it really became the thing to do, Hurricane Andrew hit. So mm-hmm. when Hurricane Andrew hit, that shut down South Florida completely. A lot of high schools were condemned, closed, which meant what? Which meant a lot of students had to find other schools to go to. So not only was the melting pot growing because of -of out-of-towners like myself moving into here and migrating over from other states, but now they had other students coming in from other towns, South Miami, Homestead, um, Perrine, Broward, you know, coming to Dade. So it got ridiculously, you know, full of all kinds of different people. Mm. So here comes here comes our vibe. Here we are in Sugarwood. Here we are fighting gangsters that thought we were gangsters. You know, we wasn't gangsters. I just had more than six friends. Can I have more than six friends? You feel me? But just because yeah. I have more than six friends, people want to think we was a gang. Right. Gangsters wanted to fight us. Cops wanted to harass us. You know, it was a, it was a lot going on for us then. So some people will call us Kendall Park boys because we're from Kendall and we hung out in the park. As simple as cliche as that sounds, to me, I always thought it was kind of whack. Right. I never claimed K. I never claimed the KPB, even though you know some people did label us that. You know, even though we were known as that. So even as much as I say I don't want to claim it, people saw me in that circle. And being that I was from out of town, I was from Jersey. I stay. I I kind of. I was like a. I was like a street cat. I would hang out with E here. I might hang out with Hector there. I might hang out with my homeboy Line. Um, Lucky over here. Like I had different people that I would roam through because I had no home. Right. You know, I wasn't really involved in the crew. But Kendall Park boys. That's something that I was attached to because I play basketball every single day with these people and even though E was my man we chill with E you know that's what we were you know so some people take the KPB to heart and I wasn't really part of that like I didn't like it but I was part of that you know it was just something that I was stuck into right. you know then that's basically it you know um, as far as being the name KPB and being hip hop, you know, EFM would come with his two door white tercel with the bass, hip hop music playing EPMD, his squad. You know, we thought we was the hit squad before we was KPB. You know, I was Redman because I was from Jersey. Right. You know, and and we we lived the life. You know, we listened to music till late. We talked with girls in the park till late. We go home. We get out of school or whatever. Hit the park again at four, four to ten every day, four to nine every day. And in Miami, you don't have the same uh, setbacks as I did in Jersey. You know, like for me to go to basketball practice in Jersey, I'm walking through a drug infested, you know, t- um, streets. You know, Monroe Street, Myrtle Avenue, Madison Street, all those streets for me, Henry Street, all those streets for me was dangerous. Right. You know, so now that I'm in Miami, yeah, there's dudes that want to fight. Yeah, there's dudes that, you know, want to want to try you every moment possible. But it wasn't what I already knew was dangerous. So I didn't really see it as a threat, you know. And I'm not Mr. Badass 
wannabe gangster dudes to real life street Passaic shit that I knew that I grew up in. Right. You know, but that's where the name King BB came from, actually. What did you do when you came to Miami? What did you do to express yourself, to to build a bond with, you know, people that you barely even knew? Was it still through sports and music? Um, I mean, let me light my split real quick. Hold on. All right, that's better. There you so, go. So let me um, let me take it like this. Um, coming to Miami, listen, waiting for hip hop, looking for hip hop. Um, on my end, was something that was hard to find. There was no radio playing hip hop music. You know, I came from, you know, listening to hip hop on a radio, listening to Rob Bass making pause tapes. When I was in sixth, seventh grade, you know, that's something that everybody, every kid says. And, and, you know, there's, I always, I'm always, I always end up being in a room where people say that they made pause tapes and that was the beginning of being a DJ. I never became a DJ, but I did pause tapes also, you know. Mm-hmm. Everybody always wants to have their music when they want to hear it and the radio don't play it all the time. So, you know, you make your pause tapes. So I'm here in Miami listening to the pause tapes that I made in Jersey, but I want new stuff. And Miami didn't have no new music. Like, they didn't have no hip-hop, period. They promoted, this is rap-free radio. Wow. This is, we don't play hip-hop music here. That's how they promoted their, their radio station. Wow. This is rap-free, you know? <clears throat> as, as we get into our older teenage years, you know, the only thing we knew was to listen to whatever tapes came out. If you followed hip-hop, you knew the Source magazine was it. You knew what tape was coming out. You know, if um, the box was some sort of a gateway to, you know, new music. So if you know, if you knew that the box was playing a, a Two Life Crew record, which to me I wasn't even used to either. The only song I ever knew about Two Life Crew was Band in the USA when I was in Jersey. Right. And I only knew it because it was on the twin soundtrack with Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. You know, I saw that I saw that movie and the and the band from USA was on the soundtrack. So I only knew because of that. But anyway, but anyway, I come to Miami and there's no music, you know. But yes, E, it wasn't even EFN. E would listen to rap music. We listen to his squad, you know. So having the music, having the the friendship that was it wasn't you know concrete. We were just all learning each other. We were all just you know tolerating each other's friendship, becoming friends, being kids, playing ball, talking to girls, smoking weed. Now I'm, I've touched the marijuana. Now I've come across Keith Murray and Redman in ninety. 93 you know like now it's starting to happen the chronic album came out snoop came out so now we smoking you know now 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 it's happening and now it's not smoking weed to say look i'm cool i'm smoking weed you know as natural as somebody holding a pack of cigarettes or as an older man holding a pipe we were smoking weed, you know, we wanted to listen to rap music and dress hip-hop and talk hip-hop and smoke weed because
happened. It was just the lives that took us, you know, so we did it, you yeah. know. And it was something that the best way to express myself is to play basketball on the court with my friends, to talk shit with the girls, to smoke my weed, you know, pedal nickel and dimes here and there, you know. You know, I stepped into that role, you know, <laughs> and everybody that wanted some weed, you know, we can, we would find it, you know, and, and it was something that it wasn't, you know, we wasn't out there promoting that we were selling weed. It was just that that's the life we live. And it sounds cliche as an older man saying it because we had access to so much at a young age, Yeah. but we didn't take it far where, thank the Lord, any of us has gotten into real trouble or real time or anybody, you know, getting killed. Like, we've been in situations, we've always been outnumbered in every fight, in every issue. That's one thing about, that's the reason, now that I touch on that, I have to say with no lie, with no flaw in my words, Yeah. The reason we've become friends and and brothers in our years, in our 25 years of CHP, because we celebrated CHP in 2018, is because not only were we in hip hop, not only were we striving to do the, the next cool thing, we got into fights. And you don't know who you are as a person until you get in a situation where you have to defend yourself. Right. You know? And you don't know who your friends are till you get in a situation where we have to defend each other. You know? And one thing that I could say about my brothers and CHP, we've been in several, countless fights, and by God's grace, we've always come out somewhat untouched now a punch in the face a kick in the ribs a kick in the back a slap in the face you know a bottle mm-hmm. being thrown all that falls under the category of fighting so when i say untouched i mean thank the lord nobody ever got shot stabbed killed you know none of us been through that but we've all been in fights and the reason we come out as winners is because we're always outnumbered it right. could be six of us against 40. It could, be, And it sounds outrageous now that I say it like that, but it's true. It could be 10 of us against 37. You know, it could be four of us against 20. But the point is, we've been blessed to always stand our ground. Yeah. You know, later on in years, later on in life, people would be like, yo, y'all them dudes that was fighting that day? And we were like, yeah. And it was like, yo, we heard about that. We heard that it was only like five of y'all and y'all stood in front of like 40 people and got away with it. And we were like, yeah. You know, we seen it like, yeah, that's what we do. But they were seeing it like, holy shit. You you guys didn't know you were outnumbered? And we was like, nah, son, that's the way we rolled. But in all actuality, we're crazy to be trying to stand up to people. Yeah. Which leads me to a, to a... Which leads me to where KPB ended okay. and Crazy Hood was birthed on my end, in my point of view, in the way that I saw our lives um, move forward, okay. you know? Yeah. Um, so, so 
one day, we're riding along. There's this dude that I don't want to give props to his name. If he wants to do it, he could do it. But, you know, I call him a jerk. But whatever the case may be, he used to have a big blue truck. Now, what I mean by the big blue truck, I mean a big, exaggerated 350, like a, like a F1. Yeah, like yeah. F-150 or it could be like a F-2, F-3, F-450. It was outrageous how big this truck was. <laughs> and the blue truck was like a bowling ball blue. Like, it was super exaggerated. So here we are. This dude comes over from the Hurricane Andrew migration of people. Right. And I don't even know how he got into our circle. I want to say... Him and his cousin were also part of the paintball team that E E and Humphrey were from. You know, like they all knew each other. Right. So here he comes, and he didn't seem to be a cool kid where he was from. But hanging out with E and the people that E knew, and, you know, we were all in our circle, I guess he got full of himself a little bit. So he used to be real boisterous and real loud. And I'm a loud talking dude too, you know, but I know when to shut up, you know, that's a difference with a lot of people. Right. You know, I know when to listen. So one day he picks me up from my house, my complex. And as we pull out, there's some kids standing out there doing what they do, who knows, slanging rocks or weed or whatever, mm -hmm. just smoking, whatever the hell they're doing. And they get into a staring contest, and, you know, I'm paying no mind. I see these kids all the time. They live in the same complex as I live. Yeah. But these dudes start looking at this kid. Uh, one thing leads to another. We pull out from the complex. A brick comes through the window. Smash. Mad loud. What the fuck? He gets out the car. He goes to yelling. These kids go to yelling. He gets back. Y'all, I'm going to get something. I'm going to get my dude. We come up back. We're going to fuck y'all up. We coming back. Now, I'm thinking to myself, first off, I ain't scared of fighting nobody. Mm -hmm. But I'm thinking to myself, this is my complex. You just started a fight with a bunch of dudes that live in the complex that I live in. Yeah. You know what I mean? But, you know, I hold my ground. Let's go. Let's go round up the dude and see what's up. So we, we first person we get to is E. Mm -hmm. E's ready to fight. You know, E never backs down. I, I've never seen E back down from anything so he jumps in the car with a golf club let's go now all three of us and i was like nah all three of us I was like, it was about like 10 of them dudes man we got to get more peoples right he was like let's go let's go he was like nah man let's go get a season now caesar is another cousin of mine from jersey he's born and raised in Pasek as well he happens to have the same birthday as me but I'm with two years. I'm two years older. Okay. His parents are my um are, are my godparents. My parents are his sister's godparents. So we like family. super family. You know, right. we're, we're you know we we're not blood related, but we might as well be blood related. You know, we've known each other since we was you know kids, kids. For sure. So I say we got to get Caesar because now I'm with my man E, who I just met about a year or two years in you feel me like mm -hmm. we've been friends for a year or two he's with his friends who i don't you know at that time he was just a, a dude we knew but he's not my friend so we're gonna get in a situation i need somebody that i can trust yeah so we go get season so we pull into sugarwood coincidence 
Caesar hurt his back playing football, he left the park to go home 10 minutes before we arrived. Wow. So now I'm even more upset. Oh, man, Caesar's not here. You know, now we got a bunch of extras that want to be cool and say, yo, you're going to fight? I'm down, I'm down, I'm down, I'm down. Mm-hmm. So we, we, we round up a bunch of little rascals, you know, and one or two dudes, you know, uh, now we're about 10 deep. Now we're heading back to the complex. We pull into the parking lot. We walk out of the car. We walk around the, the parking lot complex or the shopping center towards the complex where I live. It's dark as hell. We don't see nobody. It is dark. We don't see nobody. We walk up right into the entrance of the complex where, once again, my I add, is where I live. So we walk up right to the entrance of the, of the complex. You know, I'm like number four in the, in the group walking because... I'm watching out for myself. I don't yeah. know these little rascals that's running with us and they're going to fight with us. You know, I know E, Donuts was there. That's about it. The other dudes, oh, JJ was there, but he was a younger kid. Even though he's a wild dude, JJ is a wild individual. You know, his father did seven years and Rikers, you know, um, is a serious business. But he's younger than us, you know. We might be 17, 18 years old, 18 years old. Actually, I'm lying. We might be like 17 years old. We're still in high school. So imagine, yeah. we're our senior year, whatever age that is. And we get to the front, and there's some chicks sitting on the on the curb, on the, on the entrance. You know, in New York, they call it a stoop. Okay. In Miami, they call it the wall, whatever front wall it is in the complex. And the girls say to us, are y'all them dudes from the blue truck? And here goes this jerk. Yeah, that's us. We here to see them niggas. Where they at? And then the girls are like, they're here. Wow. And next thing that happens is the wildest scene I've ever seen in my life. Dudes came from out of the bushes, jumping out of the trees, coming from behind the walls, under the cars, hiding from inside the garbage can, behind the bus stops, crossing the street. Like, people came out of everywhere. I started counting dudes. I started counting. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 13, 27, 23, 35, 30, 42, 40. I stopped counting at 56 or 57. When I got to 55, 56, I said, fuck. I stopped counting, and there was just more and more heads, man. I guarantee you there must have been like 130 motherfuckers out there, and there was only 10 of us. Now, I say this story now, and people really don't believe us, but it happened. It was like 100-plus people out there holding two-by-fours, pipes, bats. One dude had a machete, um, you know, everything. And we walk up, 10 of us, me, E, with a golf club, Donuts, JJ, who has the biggest heart I know, yeah. and and a bunch of little rascals-looking dudes. And we walk up, and when we get there... Here come, we start mouthing off. Yo, y'all them dudes, we them dudes, y'all them dudes, we them dudes. Not knowing they thought we was a gang. Not knowing we thought they was a gang. Wow. So here we are confronting each other. EFN says, why don't you, why you got all those weapons? Throw those weapons down, let's fight with our fists. 
So I'm thinking to myself, they must have not taught him in California how to count. <laughs> he must have not known that it was 130 motherfuckers out there and it was only 10 of us talking about drop your weapons, let's still fight. He still want to fight. Yeah. <laughs> knowing there's 130 dudes and there's only 10 of us, really four of us. Right, right. They say, they yell back, y'all got weapons too. Don't, now, now, I already done said it, man. EFN is the only one with a golf club. So what does he do? He chucks it and throws it away. Like he launches the, the golf club away and says, nah, I don't got nothing. Let's do it. <laughs> I'm looking at this dude like, this dude is crazy. But fuck it, we here. Yeah. And that's my man. And I'm going to stand ground because that's what I know how to do. I don't run. And then it exploded, bro, like a fucking light switch in the kitchen when the roaches run. All of a sudden, dudes just started running towards us. It's like a movie. Yeah. One dude swings the pipe. He, um, the jerk the, the, with the blue truck, he kind of like dodges it, but it hits his arm. Um, one dude swings at me. I push him. I punch another. Another. I'm taking on like three dudes. And all of a sudden, I don't know if it was the same simultaneous energy that we all felt or somebody screamed, run, I don't know who what, or what, but all of a sudden we all just take off, all 10 of us. Mm -hmm. We take off to the left, 130 dudes are running towards us. We bouncing and here comes East. 100 miles and running, and she ran his on the gunning. And he want to recite some hip hop shit while bottles and rocks and chains and pipes are being thrown at us. You know, I get punched in the arm after I punch two dudes in the face. One almost hit me in the nose, the dude hit me in the arm, and I'm out. Boom. We running like Ray Lewis, like not Ray Lewis, like Carl Lewis, you know. And I'm like, what the fuck? And we out. We turn the corner from the wall, jumping into the shopping center. You know, I'm jumping. I must have jumped on three cars full with a family in the cars and groceries coming out of the supermarket. You know, we jumping on the hood over the windshield. We doing it like TV for real. I got like eight dudes running after me. I don't know. This, this story right here is so elaborate because all of us scattered. Yeah. So JJ went one way, Humphrey got stuck one way, EFE went running another way, jumped in a car another way, Donuts got into a car another way, I'm running. All I noticed, I got eight dudes chasing me. And they're chasing me like I got their money. Them niggas is after me, and I'm running. God wanted me to survive because I'm running across the whole shopping center when another friend of Eric's, his name is Scott, white boy Scott, he's another dude that played on the paintball team, you know, this is a whole, is, as you can see, this is all Eric's friends, you feel me? <laughs> yeah. And, but I'm, but I'm there because I know Eric. Right. So Scott happens to have a car, he happens to pull up on the opposite side of the street with his car, get in! Man, I turned into a, I turned into, it, it, it was a movie. I turned into the action-packed actor in the world. I jumped in from the street into the car, and he peeled out like Fast and the Furious, and all eight dudes just stopped running because I jumped in the car and we were right. out. 
Okay, so that night is unforgettable. So we regroup later on that night. We meet up with Hector. Hector pulls out his friends, just like another 15 dudes. Now we got a couple dudes. Hector got 15 dudes. One of those dudes called another guy. Another guy pulls out another 20 guys. Now we 45 deep. And now we regroup back. We go back to that place like idiots, but nobody's around. Mm. Now there's 45 of us and nobody around. Nothing happened. So now we're like, okay, let's think about this. The next day, there's no school. The next day, let's just chill home. Let's think about this. Let's, you know, we don't know what to expect now. We done ran into a situation where 130 motherfuckers want to fight us. We don't know where they're from. You know, yeah. So let's let's just say the movie story along that nothing happened. The next day, nothing happened. We go to school, nothing happened. You know, and then in between one of the classes change. You know, this is where you know somebody might have a different story. But my point of view was, I meet up with E. He says, yo, I just had a, he was in, I don't know what class he was in. It, 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 could, it could have been social studies, but he was having a, 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 a he was having a moment. You know, he had a, a, a brain fart, like like what he likes to say now. Yeah. He said, let's drop KPB okay. and let's do something. I want to do something with hip hop. I want to do something with business. I want to do something for the future. He said, I, I just made a drawing. And I promise you, he still has that drawing to this day. He made a drawing of us or himself in a military uh, vibe with hip-hop, musical notes, and all kinds of shit. And he said, I just created this. It's called Crazy Hub Productions. Crazy because of the life that we live. You know, we're not maniac cycles, but we're living in a crazy world and a crazy life. And what we just experience, experience is nuts. So that's crazy in itself. And crazy hoods, hoods because hip hop, the the mirror image of a hip hop person in Kendall was baggy pants, shoes or boots. When I mean shoes, I mean sneakers, sneakers right. or boots and a long pullover um, shirt or a sweater or a hoodie. We rocked hoodies, number one, not because it was cold, because we in Miami, so it's hot as all balls over here. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, the school had no windows. And the school AC unit, that shit must have been pumped with Freon every morning because it was cold as shit inside the school. So people rocked hoodies. You know, the the... Not to contradict what I said with with the white folks right. that lived here wearing sandals and Bermuda shorts, you know, they were wearing their cardigans and scarves and shit, you know. But we would wear hoodies because we was hip hop dudes. It's just the way we dressed. There was no other way around it, you know. Right, right. You know, so we was wearing hoodies. People would see us as hoodlums. People would call us hoodlums. Teachers, security guards would call us hoodlums. And we was like, nah, we ain't hoodlums, man. We just like hip-hop. We just hip-hop dudes. Nah, whatever, whatever, you know. Um, we would go to house parties wearing hoodies, and people would just give us the vibe that we were the bad guys when we was just there listening to music. So we got the sense of being hoodlums. We got the sense of being hoods. We, you know, we would wear hoodies. <clears throat> so the way we described it as since we wear hoodies in hip-hop, we're just hoods. That's the way we looked at it. Mm -hmm. So we took the 
life we live, with the hoods that we are in hip hop, but we wanted to make it legit and make it sound realistic. So at that time, people were entertainment, people was enterprises, people was, you know, um, organizations. So we took production as a meaning of being producing hip hop, producing mixtapes, let's produce parties, let's produce a company. So he created Crazy Hood Productions. And I want to say that I was either the first one or the second one, but I would think I was the first one that he said it to. I don't know. He might have a different scene. But in my point of view, he showed me first, and I was like, I'm down. Let's do it. So we dropped a bunch of people. A lot of people joined. When we when he first came at us with that story, man, we was about 30, 40 deep. Yeah. As, life goes, as life went on, we dropped down to nine. We dropped down to 10. And now we're really at 10. We're really at 11, maybe a 12. But and, and you're one of them. And yeah. you're like the last one to come into us, you know? Right, right. So when he said Crazy Hood Productions, I said, I'm bet, I'm down. So that's when we became CHP. And we knew that California Highway Patrol, you know, has the same acronym, the same abbreviations, but we took it as hip hop. That's what's up. So we became CHP, and that's when we started plotting the next move, whether it be warehouse parties, house parties, mixtapes, or whatever. That's when that came to be. So like that, Crazy Hood Productions is born. A fight that could have changed the course of their life actually influenced them to change their ways. Let's tap back in with Paul as he continues his version of the story. Okay, so at now we're CHP. Right. Now CHP is Eric, myself, Donuts, my cousin Caesar, my cousin Steve, Danny, um, um, Humphrey. JJ, you know, the the ones that we want to say are the regulars, you know. Yeah. Um, Hector, he had his own crew called Hard Pack. They were freestyling hip-hop niggas, breakdancing dudes, smoking weed dudes, you know, you know, um, um, talking to girls and going in their purses, you know what I mean? Like, go to girls' houses and, and rummaging through their parents' stuff. Right. You know, I let Hector say those stories, you know, that's a I'm outrageous, I'm outlandish doing my thing, 
and it's hilarious. So everybody is like, you just crazy with what the things you say. Which leads me to say, this is where we took our first trip. He wanted to do a mixtape. He wanted to do something fun. We had no music. We went to Car Joe's and Coral Gables. That record store is now closed down. Mm-hmm. We went to Blue Notes and 183rd Street. That record store is now closed down. You know, we was we reached out to record labels to send us music, and some did. Where now, where before we really got popular, you know, we was just another DJ asking for records. You know, we made it. We took a trip to New Jersey, just E and myself. You know, E just E and myself, and and a rental. And you know, for anybody that ever made that trip up the East Coast from New York to Miami, it's at least a 19-hour ride minimum. And if you make a stop here and there, and you sleep over, you get something. Even if you take a shit. The, the ride is going to turn into a 22-hour ride up yeah. the East Coast. Me and this dude made it in 16 hours, 17 hours. Wow. I'm thinking, what the hell? I fell asleep. I fell asleep in Georgia, woke up in Delaware. This dude must have been doing 140, 150 miles an hour. And, it is, and it's a fact. I've, I haven't lied to you in this interview. So this dude is flying. I'm like, what the hell are you doing? He just said he just wanted to get there. Yeah, yeah. So we get to Jersey because that's where I know to go, you know. Yeah. I got family there. We pull up in downtown Passaic. It's, you know, uh, it's not that big, but there's a bunch of stores there. You know, we go into Record City, which is now also closed down. Um, classic, legendary place where Record City was. We call my cousin Fernando. We go to his crib. We wash up. The next day, we hit New York, Bronx, Brooklyn, Queens, every record store we can think of, we pick up a whole, he picks up every record we can think of, we come back with at least five, six crates of records that he just bought. You know, I remember going to the basement in my cousin Fernando's house and a little ass broken record down, record player, listening to every record that we just bought. You know, one of the standout records was Wu Tang's Wu Garments from the the High School High soundtrack. I can't remember if it was High School High. I think it was. Yeah, I believe so. And it and it was the it was Meth with the is what you want, baby, is what you need. That whole Wu Garments song was mm-hmm. classic. So we get back to Miami thinking we got underground shit, and and for the most part we did. So when he was able to put uh a mixtape together, you know, there's some good shit over here. Um, (laughs) When, when E, before we actually put volume one out, you know, EFN mixtape volume one, you know, we went through a couple names for it. I imagine he'll tell you those stories too. You know, we had a DJ E Funk, we had DJ E Nasty or whatever the hell it is. Yeah. To finally, he he just went with EFN, which is his initials. But I'm right. sure he'll tell you that. So we went through about a good, maybe half a dozen mixtapes underground before he really packaged it professionally. Because that's something that we always said: if we're gonna do it, we're gonna do it right. right. And I gotta salute E for always being dedicated and disciplined to the most meticulous, you know, um, 
item. You know, it had to be perfect. It had to be packaged right. It had to be believable, you know, for the most part on our end. So, so we have songs, you know, which lead us to where we created our, our material. Um, at that moment, to do a quick sidebar, mm-hmm. you know, um, me being in my sports, you know, I'm trying out. There's no volleyball, so I'm trying out. I want to try out for football. I go to the football field, and I, I forget we're in Miami. So I go after school to the football field, and there's like 95 degrees, dry air, sun blazing, and then the 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 Sunset High School football uniform is all black oh. with a stripe of gold. And I say, I'm not playing football because you got to be crazy. You're going to be wearing all black in 90 de- right. 95 degree weather. <laughs> so I punked out. That was the first time I ever punked out in my life. I said, I'm not playing in a black uniform in the sun. You're right. going to die. I So I didn't do it. I go oh, basketball tryouts here. I go, I think I could play ball. And then, for the most part, I know how to play ball. You know, I play for St. Anthony, so I'm thinking I know what I'm doing. Yeah. That's where I meet Hector. Okay. I have to say the story. I have to implement the story real okay. quick because yeah. they do a shirts and no shirts um, style of playing. You know, shirts on this side, no shirts on this side. You guys play each other, and it's like a round-robin tournament. You know, everybody plays, everybody wins. So my team gets selected to go play against this team. So I don't know nobody there. It's like over 60 kids. I don't know anybody. But I'm walking over to this court. As I'm walking over to this court, the first word I hear is, all right, motherfucker. All right, motherfucker. I hope you got a game. Because if you got no game, I'm going to send you home quick today. I'm going to send you home crying. And I'm walking onto the basketball court where I got the most confident in myself. And I say, and I, and I, and I look, and I said, who the fuck is that? I don't know the guy. The guy was like, I hope you got some game, man. You look like you, you look, you look like you don't know how to play. You look like a little girl here. You better not be scared. And unbeknown, unbeknownst to myself, this is Hector. Yeah. This was Hector talking to me. I said, "What's your name?" He goes, "Hector." I, he, and I go, "I'm Paul." He said, "I don't care what your name is." And it was hilarious because that's <laughs> when we went at it. Yes. Yeah. So to make a make a long story short. He won that first game, so I even heard him more. I heard it like a motherfucker, him talking shit. So I go back, and I'm like, damn, I got to get back to that court because that dude talking shit. Now, to move the story along further, we see each other five more times. But I win five more times. So I, I was talking straight trash to him. He won the first time we played. But the following four or five times we played, I won all of those times. So I sent him home pissed off. I'm talking hella shit because now I'm winning. And that's the way him and I became friends. Right. Talk, talking shit on the basketball court. It's a great experience. That whole, I would love to replay that scene in a movie one day where we just talk shit to each other. And I came out on top. So now I know Hector. Now I know he got a brother, Orlando. He rolls with a bunch of other dudes. They're called Hard Pack, mm-hmm. right? Now, Adrian, he rolls with a bunch of other friends. Before they got into the whole music vibe, you know, he was cool. He just moved from England. He walked into a class. I happened to be in that class just chilling, 
Charles was also in that class. We barely spoke. Drain walks in with a Source magazine. I know he's a hip-hop dude. I holla at him. I, I was the first person that Adrian met in the United States of America when he migrated <laughs> over from England, wow. London. Wow. So that's cool in itself. And I yeah, always yeah. pride myself on that. And he always, he always, um, um, you know, he always solidifies our movie. He was like, Paul is the first person I ever spoke to in the U.S. of A. when I came from England. So, you know, it's cool that we're still friends to this day. Yes, sir. So now back to the story. Now we're E. E got the Gemini's. Drain is in there freestyling. I'm in there freestyling. Hector makes a pop-up visit every once in a while. We start making mixtapes. We do a warehouse party. The party gets shot up. Now we got to be low-key on the warehouse parties tape. So let's try to do pirate radio. Let's try to do mixtapes. You know, we promote. Nope. At this moment, Eric, um, EFN and I, before Hard Pack became Underworld Elements, because they, they try to transcend and, and, and move away from the street life into music, and they call themselves Underworld Elements. Okay. Adrian is now somewhat making, learning how to make beats. He's rapping, he's singing. He rolls with another three, four dudes that freestyle. They're called the Poetic Product. Correction. Their actual name was Poetic Symbols. Let's tap back in. And then... He and I find ourselves on the hunt with a couple other dudes. Caesar is now, you know, Caesar is not with us no more. Donus not with us no more. Humphrey's not with us no more. Even JJ, to a point, is not with us no more. Danny is not with us no more. Mm-hmm. We had two brothers that were in, you know, they're not with us no more. You know, I, 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 I basically got like. I basically punched one of them in the mouth. They're not in us no more. Charles went to the army. He was cool with donuts. He came back from the army. They brought us in. Charles came in. So now Charles came in. All those people left. You know, um, Steve is still with us from day one. Now it's Eric and Steve and myself. And now we bring Drain to the table with his poetic products. Mm-hmm. We bring Hector to the table with his underworld elements. You know, we, we talked to our homeboy, Dro, Rich. Now he's called The Rich LLC. You know, it, it's an inside joke, but that's what EFN Charles and Adrian call him. Right. The Rich LLC. So, you know, he's in the mix. So now is we're back to eight, nine of us, you know? Yeah. So we, we find ourselves doing pirate radio. We do a pirate radio station with DJ TMS and Spook in uh, South Miami area, if I'm not mistaken, in Perrine, something like that. Mm-hmm. We find ourselves doing a pirate radio station um, versus DJ Khaled's Power 90, um, Mix 96 pirate radio station. So ours, you know, we're going head to head. We're doing our vibe. This now is 95. Now we're 20 years old. Yeah. Now he's DJ EFN on the wheels of steel doing pirate radio, doing little slots and some South Beach, you know, clubs when South Beach now is the mecca of hip hop for the most part of the world. They know South Florida for South Beach. Yeah. But back in 95, not one building in the whole South Beach had a hip hop night. There was no hip hop being played in South Beach in the entire beach from one end to the other. Mm. We find a moment where a guy lets us do a hip hop segment. 
So now EFN is spinning in the in the nightclubs. EFN is spinning in pirate radio, and now I'm calling myself Don P. I'm on the microphone. I'm the one that's talking. You're listening to the sound of DJ EFN. This is Don P on the radio. This is our pirate radio show, and boom, 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 and we're going along with it. We do a hot the top 100 hip hop tracks in 95, but we didn't do what you heard on the radio. We did underground hip hop. Top 100 of 1995. The number one song of 95 in our in our uh, status quo was the the enemy with Fat Joe and Big L. Yeah. One of the favorite songs ever. So now we're all talking about mixtapes. We're all talking about you know the next move. Um, EFN made a demo tape with Poetic Products. That was. The next move. He learned how to DJ now. Let's put it into work. He did a mixtape. Now let's do a demo tape. You know, he even at one point opened a retail store that I'm sure he'll be able to, you know, tell you in his own right. Right. He did a re- retail store. So now we're doing a, a demo tape with Poetic Products. Drain is the lead rapper with his boys and he's also making the beats. You know, we send a demo out to record labels all over. Not knowing the laws of copyright, not knowing the laws of of anything. So later on in life, this is ninety five. Then later on, nineteen ninety eight comes around. <clears throat> Big Punisher has his first single, "How to Be a Player." Yep. Or oh, my bad, still, still not, not a, a still a player. Yeah. That is Drain's beat. Wow. Like straight up, if you hear the song Drain did in the demo. It was, you know, obviously there might be a tweak here and there, but the overall sample, the overall beat was drained. Then Brand Nubian drops a single. Don't let it go to your head now. That's Drain's beat. Oh you know, Drain, we lost about two, three beats in that demo, which which taught us a lesson. You know, so here's E. E minds keeps working. Let's, let's make the next move. Then we bring everybody to the table. Hector's. Underworld Elements, Dreams, Poetic Products. He's like, let's make a group. Hector, you rap. You the grimy, greedy street dude. You bring the visual lyrics. Dream, you got the talent. You know how to make beats. You know how to rap. You know how to sing. You know, you bring the intellect into the vibe. Paul, he was like, you freestyle. You know, you have fun with it. You the hip-hop nigga. You, you know, I got my own element. But that's where I had a transition from being Don Peter Radio dude to the artist MC. Right. Now, you know, you always want to have a great name. You always want to have uh, uh, something catchy, something that fits you. But it can never be so easy to attain. You know, it has to be given to you. Now, the way my name came to be, you know, I don't know. Sometimes I ramble too much. That's one thing they love about me, that I'm a live wire, you know. Yeah. I'm quick to defend the crew. I'm quick to defend myself. I'm I'm quick to represent hip-hop. But when I get drunk, when I get high, I turn into uh, 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 somebody else. Yeah. And sometimes some things make sense. Sometimes they don't. I'm the type of person that I don't care if it don't make sense. I'm going to keep talking and make it go. And, and, and that might be my, my curse and my blessing. But with my rambunctiousness, you know, the words that I say sometimes don't make sense. And I understand that. 
but in my view and my energy that I control and that I spew, to me, is hip hop. No matter what it is, it's right. been proven with Biz Marquee. It's been proven with Old Dirty Bastard. It's been proven that sometimes the craziness is just a organized confusion. You feel me? So, yes, with that being said, they the name Weird Thoughts was birthed to myself, where I became Weird Thoughts from CHP. So, with me having my hip hop. Uh, my hip hop essence and dream being the talent and the and and the artist and Hector being the lyricist and the street grimy and EFM being the DJ, all four, all three crews, because me and EFM was always CHP, mm-hmm. all three crews combined and we became an alliance. And that's how the group, the alliance was born. And that's when we started recording and making music and dropped the album called Who's Crazy. So that was dope in itself also. Carefully built to rip those Shout out headphones, tip toes To your holy ghost Remedy, holy smoke Telling me phony jokes And the Alliance, you guys also uh, For short, you guys um, also called yourself The Awe The Awe, because as in rhyming You know, to fit some bars Or to just make the melody flow smooth You can't rap, you can't rhyme You can only say The Alliance but so many times yeah. You know, the alliance, uh, dropping signs, uh, the alliance, you know, you it's just but so many times you can say that. Right. So, for sure, we would say the all. And all, obviously, you can play with those words in, in, a, in a word play syllables and the A-double-L-I-A-N-C-E. So, when we said that in the song, we was able to just stick with the A-double-L, the yeah. A-double-L. And, and that stuck too. So, yeah, we was the all, a.k.a. the Alliance. Talk to me a little bit about How Can I Be Down, the music conference. Well, like I said, um, being that there was no hip-hop radio, there was no hip-hop clubs, you know, we would, we would just search and search for hip-hop. The next new song, the next new freestyle like we would we weren't even old enough to go to concerts so you know we didn't know of concerts unless it was like an 18 and under type thing right. now at this point we've had we've got some notches under our belt you know we've the all has been able to make a little name in in Kendall you know um we perform at a at a at a ranch party we perform at a little a little nightclub and, and here or there. But we was always looking out. We was always out creating new moments, new new paths. So here we go one night. Now, today, modern time, is called Nikki Beach. Um, in 95-ish, 94 actually, it's called Penrods. We're out there like we always do, you know, we park at the end of the beach so we could smoke, drink, and since we were underage, and walk into South Beach where we will be on the streets and there was no hip-hop club, we you just be on the, on the strip. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when on the strip, you see everything, you know. You, you know, you could even sneak into a store and buy an OE. You know, they didn't have 40 ounces. We had the court OE, so it was 32 ounces. 
but we was able to stick it in our pockets, you know, right. and drink on the on the corner. So um, we're walking by Penrods and we hear hip hop. And it's 94, so we're like, oh, shit, what is that? You know, we, we hear Redman, you know, we hear, um, um, like, some type of vibe. Like, we know we know what that is, but now we're trying to get in. Mm-hmm. We don't, we can't get in. There's, we don't know where it is. And, you know, here I go, where I'm going to push the envelope, you know. I'm trying to open up windows. I'm trying to open up doors. I'm, 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 I'm my hands on the rail trying to wiggle yeah. it open, and well, I'm knocking on doors and nothing. Yeah. And finally, somebody opens a door. Tall dude, tall white boy looking dude in a suit. What y'all doing? What y'all want? And we were like, yo, y'all playing hip hop music? They go, yeah. And I go, how can we get in? They were like, no, nah, it's not open for the public. It's a private event. And we were like, yo, but we, you know, how can we get in, man? Come on, let us in. So, you know, we have a, we stand out there for a couple of minutes. We debating with the dude. He tells us he's met the man's manager. We don't know if it's true, but he says he's met the man's manager. We still talking shit. I don't know. He must have seen that we wasn't going nowhere, or he must have seen that we was gonna try and, and get in some way. Right. So what happens is he allows us to come in. He's like, all right, come in. He said, how many of y'all? And it was like four of us, five of us. He was like, all right, come in. So we get in. When we get inside, it's not super crowded, but it's a lot of people there. Right. And then all of a sudden, it go coming live on the stage. And they had the Boogie Monsters there. Now, for those that remember the Boogie Monsters, you know, they weren't as popular as a lot of people made it. But for that moment, that time and space and that time and not space, that time in, in hip hop and in Miami, when you heard the beat go boom, that beat is, is, is catchy. You're going to yeah. know that song. Mm-hmm. So we was ecstatic. Oh, shit, it's the Boogie Monsters. So now we're watching them. They're like two feet away from us. And I'm like, yo, like that shit. You know, and and we're underage in the club listening to hip hop. Nobody can tell us anything. So we smoking the weed. We listening to the Boogie Monsters live. We seeing the vibe. We saying, yo, what is this? Like, why is there a hip hop concert going on? Yeah. We come to an understanding that they're there for a night called How Can I Be Down? How Can I Be Down was brought in by Peter Thomas and his brother Earl Thomas for hip-hop, you know. They've had their own issues, you know. They had their own beef, so that's something different. It doesn't need to hear nor there. But the event was called How Can I Be Down? We weren't able to be a part of anything else that event for that year because it was too late for registration and we didn't have no badges, no credentials, you know, like... There was even, we didn't even know what the hell credentials meant, you know. We was just there trying to get involved, but we said to ourselves, we're going to be ready next year when it comes. Mm-hmm. So a whole year, we're paying attention. We're doing our due diligence. We're still doing pirate radio. We're still dropping little mixtapes. We're still freestyling and bullshitting. And we're still doing what we're doing. And then E... I can't remember if E or myself saw it first, but we were like, hey, how can I be down? It's coming. We got to get ready. We got to have registration. We got to get all the paperwork. We got to do it. We got to we gotta round up whoever wants to do it so we can submit. And, you 
know, enjoying as a company instead of just as an individual, you know, registrant. You know, we right. want to go in as a company. So here we go. You know, and this is where Eddie Giggs comes along, you know. Um, I remember I had my paperwork and I was getting my photocopy and I was getting my, my money in order and my voucher or whatever it was to send the paperwork in. I see Eddie Gibbs, just happened to see him in the street and he was like, yo, what up, Pete, what up? Because Eddie Gibbs also played basketball with us in Sugarwood. He didn't play a lot because he had messed up knees. Right. But he was a New York dude, you know, he's from um, Woodside, I think, Queens, or he's from Queens. I can't say where he's from. He might get mad if I say he's from the wrong borough, but he's from Queens. You know, he had the curly top hair. He had he was more like a house dude, you know, like house music. You know, he was a DJ for house music with the Doc Martens on and the the rings and his earrings. Like he had the big, you know, he didn't have door knockers. That's some bullshit. I mean, I say that he had like some rings on, and but he was hip hop. Yeah. So when I told him we was doing this for hip hop and that we was gonna be involved in this event, he was like, I wanna be down. So I gave him a registration. I told E, I said, Yo, E, you know, you know gigs, you know and he wasn't even gigs back then. I said, You know Eddie? He drives the blue Jeep. He was like, Yeah, 'cause E Eddie was like a Jeep dude, you know, he had a blue Suzuki Jeep and yeah. now two thousand eighteen he got a he got a Jeep also. You nice. know, so he always been the Jeep dude. So he, he was like, yeah, for sure, you know, strength in numbers, you know, we, the more people go under the Crazy Hood name, the better for Crazy Hood Productions. So he was like, yo, you can go, but we need you to put Crazy Hood Productions. So if one person submits the registration, Crazy Hood Productions is the company, and another dude submits the registration, Crazy Hood Productions is the company, it's like, who's Crazy Hood Productions? Right. Somebody's going to realize it. Somebody, whoever's making the badges is going to be like, damn, it's a bunch of people from Crazy Hood Productions. Who, who is this place? Yeah. Who is this company? So that's the mark that we wanted to do. So now, here comes How Can I Be Down. Now, we keep, well, now we're there day one. Now it's packed. I don't know if it, they did a better promotion or what, but it's hundreds of people out there. Everybody getting their name, badges, credentials. We all got our shit. My credentials say weird thoughts. You know what I mean? Like right. I still got it now. You know, I still got my, my, I still got it like today, today, I still got my credentials. I said, how can I be down? So now we're in the mix. Now we're trying to get to all the entrepreneur panels. Now we're trying to get to the DJ panels. We're trying to get to anything that we want to be able to meet, but we have a plan. Mm -hmm. We say, you know what? This is going to be able to make the next move in EFN mixtapes and CHP mixtapes. What we're going to do is everybody's going to have a recorder. You know, just like the Walking Dead, where all the guys say, everybody's, everybody says, I'm Negan, I'm Negan. We're like, we're going to have a plan. Everybody have a recorder. If you see an artist, if you see an actor, if you see a manager, you see anybody that's part of the industry, get a drop. A drop means a shout out right. to the DJ, for those that don't know. Mm -hmm. And... If I see an artist, I go up to him, and even though my name is Paul and I'm Weird Thoughts and Hip Hop, I'm going to say, hey, can you give me a drop? And when the guy says, what's your name? I'll say, I'm DJ EFN. And Steve, when he says it, or Eddie, when he says it, or even anybody who has a recorder that week, we have ready. If anybody sees anybody, try to get a drop. And your job was to make it EFN. So 
we might have ran into an artist more than once, but we we made sure that we got our job done. And one thing I've been able to do is I, I I'm very very good with names and faces. Yeah. So I could see people from a mile away and know exactly who they are. So you know, these are one of the things where, like I said, this is my point of view. This is the way I look at things. You know, we all got our job done, but I could say that in the early EFN mixtapes, if you heard a shout out from Tretch, that was me. If you heard a shout out from Crazy Dress, from Daza Ferry, that was me. From 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 Tech, from um, Smith and Wesson, that was me. And that's not to say me, me, me is all about Paul. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is I rep CHP so much. Yeah. You know, I wanted the mixtapes to work. I believed in it so much back then. I went out there. I was stomping my, my foot in the streets. We were walking the pavement. I got shout-outs from Nas in 95. If you hear EFN mixtape wow. with a Nas shout-out from back in the day, that was me. Now, was E standing next to me? Yeah. But one of the a plan was not only to have E say he's the DJ, but how more respectful would an artist be if I'm standing there getting E a, a drop? Yo, yeah, no, E a friend standing over there, but I'm getting a drop for the mixtape. Right. So that shows that shows loyalty in myself where artists is going to say, damn, you're getting a drop for that dude over there? Like, that dude over there is doing something totally different, and he's the DJ. So if he's the DJ, why is he not getting a drop? Mm-hmm. You know, but the the... the picture we were trying to paint was we being professional so i got a drop from tretch i got a drop from nas i got a drop from doodlebug from the diggable planet i got a drop from the rockness monster from helter skelter you know like the list goes on mike geronimo and the funny thing i like to say about this moment is i got a drop from russell simmons and russell simmons at that moment this sounds this is going to sound a little nuts, but we all know in today's world, his ex-wife is Kimora Lee. Right. You know, everybody yep. knows that. Mm-hmm. But I read a book on Russell Simmons. I think it was the second book that he wrote. In that book, he states that he met her in Miami in How Can I Be Down? Wow. So, so... I pull one and one together, and in that book that he says he bagged her, you know, he he hollered at her in Miami, and how can I be down? I can say with 100% honesty and truth in my heart, I could say I was there when he bagged her because <laughs> because this was it was a fashion show going on. Right. We were able to to do it, to uh, sneak into the fashion show with our credentials that was limited, but we was able to surpass security and get into the fashion show. And here I go, and I say, "Oh shit, that's Russell Simmons!" Right. So that's I'm tough. able to finagle my way through. I got a shout out from Tre- I got a drop from Tretch for EFN. So if you hear a Tretch shout out, that was me. And when I get the shout out from Tretch. I walk over and I say, Russell, excuse me, can I get a shout out for my mixtape? He goes, sure, what's your name? And I go, DJ EFN. And then he gets the the recorder. He goes, this is Russell Simmons with DJ EFN. But 
the girl that's sitting right next to him was a young Kamora Lee. Wow. You feel me? Wow. Like the the like he like I get the drop from him when he's hollering at her and years later in his book he says I met her in Miami at a How Can I Be Down convention. Wow. And I was there when he met her. So that to me is out of this world. Yeah, no, definitely it is. <laughs> That's hella cool, man. So, so it's it's so that How Can I um, convention was unique in itself because, you know, we, we were in a hotel that shared, we shared a hotel with Exhibit, when he was promoting his only song called Paparazzi. Sometimes I wonder if it's all worth my while. Exhibit stay versatile with million dollar lifestyle. And I can feel it as a child growing up. The niggas I was real and the niggas like, that was... Paparazzi was his first single. Yeah. And he was in Miami promoting a song. Like, he hadn't even dropped his album yet. Wow. We took him over to Wynwood for DJ Raw Hoodstock Festival that was going on where we saw uh, M.O.P., where we saw, you know, Fat Joe perform. You know, we showed up with Exhibit, so how crazy is it that people that didn't know us from Miami saw us drive up and pull up with Exhibit? You know, that's cool. Royal Flush from Queens, Mm -hmm. he shared the same um, hotel with us, you know, and it was a lot going on. That, that, That one year... Is 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 etched in everybody's brain that knows hip hop or that was involved in hip hop in '95. Everybody went to How Can I Be Down, just like everybody went to Jack the Ripper um, convention in '96 mm-hmm. in Atlanta, but Miami was first. So we were able at CP to be front and center and involve ourselves in the culture, involve ourselves in the movement that was happening at that moment. So that that was something special for us. You know, that basically gave us a step in the right direction as far as EFN mixtapes and as far as solidifying, yeah. you know, CHP in, in the movement. When you guys were um, doing the mixtapes, um, were you guys still doing pirate radio? Yes. We never stopped. You know, um, pirate radio was cut short, not under our control, you know, the whoever was in charge or whoever was running it, um, you know, basically fell out of their own, had their own issues or mm-hmm. whatever the case may be. But from all the pirate registration that we ever did, you know, they did come to an end. Mix 96 did not come to an end, and DJ Khaled flourished, obviously. Right. But all the pirate radio stations that we did, they all came to an end, and that basically always gave us uh, a new energy to refocus and continue what we could control, which was the mixtapes. Got you. And on all those mixtapes, you guys made sure, as a collective, like as the all, you guys always had music on them as well, correct? Well, yes. That was one of EFN's main... Um, you know, priorities, you know, he wanted to rep his company. Yeah. He wanted to rep his group and he wanted to rep Miami. So aside from having all the white labels and songs that major labels and mainstream music was putting out there and promoting, he wanted to show love and represent Miami. Mm-hmm. 
So he, you know, I'm sure he'll tell you this in his own right, but, you know, he made sure that every mixtape had a reference to Miami and that we had a, a mark in it with uh, intro. You know, we would rhyme on every intro possible. You know, he would have a guest and, you know, he would have a guest freestyle like Nori or anybody else. Right. But definitely the group, definitely the all had, uh, uh, you know, time to spit a rhyme on every mixtape and that allowed us to be creative with skits you know we we dabbled a little bit with skits and and i tell you what we had a lot of fun doing those skits we were able yeah. to put all those skits together it would be funny if, if, if you would hear all the shit that we came up with but you know yeah the mixtapes had a consistent um discipline we're we're referencing to miami and the yeah. company and the all was able to to uh, express ourselves and show our growth and our lyrics and our and our vibe with that, so that was dope. That was dope. Very dope. I know E uh, mentioned how you guys um, were also do, uh, being like the street teams for record labels as well. Yeah, yeah. So how how did you guys get connected well, with that? Well, part of um, our growth was to be available. And, and put ourselves in position to to show professionalism. So even though EFN was the DJ calling the labels for music, mm-hmm. anybody that would come to Miami to promote their artists, you know, they couldn't be in two places as as one. Right. So you know, we had the the, the store Crazy Goods that right. EFN and Eddie Giggs put together. And from that record label, you know, um, I'm sure he'll tell you this in his own right also, but from that record label, we were able to, he was able to make connections with certain people that were already street teams. Gotcha. So, you know, there was this one girl, I can't remember her name right now. If, I'm, if, I, if my memory serves me correct, I want to say her name was Raquel. Okay. Raquel did promotions. We also knew this dude, rest in peace, his name was uh, DJ Fresh. He did promotions. So being that we were already in connection with them, getting music from them, EFM was able to meet other people that would eventually hire him to promote. Mm -hmm. And with that angle in, you know, he was able to negotiate and introduce himself to other people to promote and that landed us um, Def Jam Realm Street Team um, I want to say Bad Boy Street Team at one point um, um, Priority Records at one point and for those that know these labels you know it was necessary for for us not to say no you know yeah. these were the big labels promoting the big artists the big songs so that basically led into other ventures such as Mark Echo when he right. decided to do his own a different line of clothes called the um, physical science clothing if I remember correctly mm-hmm. and movies you know Sony Pictures Warner Brother movies and we were able to dabble into that and promote movies and and, and it was a great experience you know EFN and Eddie did a great job that's something that everybody tried to help out in but it was kind of hard for us to all be involved right but and there's a lot of love and respect for the street team on that level in 
Miami for EFN besides hip hop and everything else. Being a street team dude allowed him to reinvent CHP at one moment yeah. and go from Crazy Hill Productions to Crazy Hill Promotions. Right. You know? And that was cool, you know, to, to keep the ball moving and find new ways to reinvent each other. Yes. To reinvent ourselves, basically. Yeah, and expand the business and just show, adding another yeah. element to the team, you know? Exactly. And so right now, it, to right now, all that has grown into now where um, he he has another he has another branch, another subsidiary called CHP Entertainment. What does Crazy Hood mean to you? Crazy Hood, as far as the actual Crazy Hood Productions means a brotherhood means um family um you know just like uh dtp you know with ludicrous just like bad boy with puffy you know just like everybody that has their own crew you know crazy hood has been through a lot crazy hood has grown from boys to men and families we have extended members you know through blood where crazy hood has become a household part of our lives where it was just for fun and it was just something to be be thoughtful about you know um, we have crazy hood kids you know with our children you know and they know about us there's some we don't hide anything you know we our kids know who we are by what they see us by how we live and everything so you know loyalty amongst Crazy Hood is 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 very very touchy because we love each other so much that you know we don't we don't hide from our uh, critique we don't hide from our downing you know we 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 laugh at each other we make fun of each other we joke with each other but we also respect and love each other yeah and that's something that and that's something that many crews we've seen come into the game not have break up fall apart dissolve or not even be seen no more when all in all with our sacrifices and everything that we've done we've been able to reach this year which is our 25 year anniversary and we're gonna take that and we're gonna celebrate that and we're gonna um, share that with everybody because we're on a different platform yes you know so being that our growth has be taken us now, you know, I could say that it's transitioning now to what we like to say. Um, and today's time is drink champs. Right. You know, um, we've always discussed the next thing to do. And if drink champs hadn't happened and hadn't been successful as it's been the last two years, CHP would still be doing hip hop. We still be doing promotion. We still be doing um, uh, interviews, promoting Crazy Hill Productions. We've been able to find another avenue to express ourselves. When EFN and Garcia created Crazy Hill Film Academy and started making the Coming Home series, going to Cuba, right. visiting our ethnic ethnic countries. You know, we're on our fifth installment of the Coming Home series. Yeah. Cuba, Peru, Haiti, Vietnam, 
and up and coming now is Columbia. And I stand so much full of pride because this is my movie. You know, EFN and Garcia had their Cuba movie. You know, Boris Beats in the Hood had his Peru movie. You know, um, Rich had his Haiti movie. EFN touched on an emotional part of his life with his father with Vietnam. And now Coming Home Columbia is my movie. So to continue the Crazy Hook both and expand its horizons, we're reaching a whole new level of people with these coming home documentaries and blessed to have a friend as Noriega to sit down and join um, EFN on this drink chance venture has been something that's out of this world to add on to the hip hop culture, not to add on to Nori's legacy. Right. Not Well, obviously I'm going to speak on my behalf. This is, my point of view, Nori might have a different point of view, EFM might have a different point of view, but not to only add on to Nori's legacy and to add on to DJ EFM's legacy, to add on to Crazy Hood Productions' legacy, Drink Champs Podcast TV show is now adding on to the hip-hop culture legacy, to the hip-hop legacy, and it's nothing new to us. We've been saying... Drink Chance Podcast has been out two years, roughly, year and a half to two years, roughly. The TV show has been out a year, roughly, a year and a half. We're in season two, but it's only six to eight episodes, so give or take, you know, do the math. Eight episodes is like two months, three months, so on TV, it's been out less than a year. On the podcast level, it's been out two years, but we've been saying Drink Chance since 2010. Wow. You know, we've been saying drink champs on our little freestyles. We've been saying drink champs on our um, social media. If you look at Facebook, what Facebook does is Facebook memories, mm-hmm. and it gives you a memory without you asking for it. Mm-hmm. Some of the caption says drink champs. We've been saying drink champs. So to us, it's a blessing that we can do what we've always been doing and now it's getting recognized. Now, obviously, for EFN and Nori, it's a blessing that's gone above and beyond because they're actually getting a paycheck to do what we've been doing already for the last eight years. Right. You know? So Drink Chance has been able to add on to hip-hop, has been able to add on to the legacy that we have, that's been able to recreate more avenues for us to take an opportunity to recognize that there is more for us to do. Yeah. Now, as far as me, um, I stand on this platform where I want to be recognized and heard for who Paul is, but I'm a sports guy. Yeah. So it's only natural for me to say I'm drink champ sports. Right. You know, if the if the podcast would have been called Nori and E's podcast, then it wouldn't make that much sense for me to say Nori and E's podcast and sports. It doesn't really work. The 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 verbiage doesn't really work. Yeah. But with drink champs you know, with Drink Champs, the words were able to say Drink Champs Boys, it, it fits perfectly. Yes. Now, for those that do listen to Drink Champs, 
they know that it's a wild, rambunctious conversation. It's smoking, it's drinking, it's laughing, it's cutting each other off, it's giving hip-hop stories. So for Drink Champ Sports, my my view on that is it's somewhat, it's somewhat restrained a little bit. Because okay. I could talk about sports rambunctiously, crazy, erratic. I could talk about the funny stuff that goes on, but I want to make it work. I'm thinking of different ways to do it. Athletes cannot smoke and drink the way rappers do. Right. You know, athletes have a role model essence of being, you know, they can't smoke weed and play basketball. It's against the it's against the rules. Right. Like there's a lot, basketball now basketball athletes smoke weed. There's a lot of them that are that's out there saying it. Yeah. But there's some that's already been punished and suspended for not passing the the the, the piss test. Yes. You know, football players go through it all also with steroids. Baseball players go with also with steroids. So drink chance sports has to be something different. Now I don't have the full control of the actual name because Drink Champs is EFN and Nori. Right. Now, do I have the blessing? Yes. EFN already said, go for it. Do what you want to do. Do it how you see fit because EFN is not a sports dude. Right. So if I, could, if I bring up a couple athletes' names, EFN doesn't know anything about that. Nori does. And obviously, Nori being a celebrity, athletes can connect to Nori better. Right. The same way the rappers are doing now. So athletes can actually call Nori. Athletes are celebrities. So celebrities and other celebrities are celebrity friends. Right. I'm not a celebrity. I'm not a celebrity as of yet. I'm not a celebrity where I can call Paul Pierce, where I can call Dwayne Wade, where I can call Joey Crawford, Joe, you know, and be, and be like, yo, sit down, let's talk, you know. Well, I could call Baron Davis and be like, yo, let's sit down and talk. Um, obviously, if I could, I would have done it already. Right. But my plans, my plans for Dream Change Sports is a little bit different. So it's taking a little bit longer for me to get the ball rolling. But I'm definitely, definitely, you know, still, even though it's, it's, I feel like I'm already behind schedule. Mm-hmm. It's still in the works of, of, of making the right step. That's good. Coming home, Columbia movie coming up. Is can you share um, maybe like your experience or um, something that you went through? Well, I, well, the only thing I the only thing I would like to say about coming to Colombia is that it was a long time coming to visit the country that my parents migrated over. Mm-hmm. It was a long time coming for me to see where my roots are, where they came from, and I am, and I am super um, happy that I was able to accomplish that and I am 100% um, appreciative and grateful that my friend e. Eric, my friend EFN found a way to get there through hip hop, you know yeah. it wasn't a trip, it wasn't a going back home trip it wasn't a let's visit Columbia trip, it was involved with a hip-hop idea through my friend on a hip-hop vibe of let's find hip-hop in our homes that we've never been to. So the Coming Home series 
enough to where it, it came to Colombia now, and I was able to be a part of it, is a blessing. So I mean, that's that's I want to that's all I want to say because you know, I want I want I want to keep it on the hush too because right. when the movie comes out, it's gonna be it's gonna be something different. You yes, know? yes. All right, and uh, my last question: What does loyalty mean to you? Loyalty to me means constant communication, means family, means um, crying together, laughing together. Loyalty means even though we're mad at each other, I'm still going to have your back. Loyalty means um, I don't have to see you or talk to you but when I do you know um we still we still the same people right. you know whether we, whether we're 16 years old 26 years old 36 years old you know I I don't change I don't have to be a different person even though my moniker changed even though it goes from P nice to down P to weird thoughts to icky hood to drink transports to uh, what else I'm gonna have a, a, a zillion more names mm-hmm. my name's not gonna change who I am and who they know me as you know and and that's something that that it's 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 good to say loyalty means no matter who you are they're still there I'm still here and you know the future is is ours to to, uh, to experience that's what's up is there anything else that you would like to add I would like to add, after all of this, I would like to add that Crazy Productions has been something that I'm proud to be um, involved with. Um, sacrifices were made to uh, individuals, like each individual has made their own sacrifice to somewhat continue this um, journey. Um, Crazy Productions has taken me to places I never thought I'd been to. Um, everybody that I thought was untouchable as far as a young kid listening to Redman to now listening to Method Man to now sitting next to them, you know, shaking people's hands. I have friends of mine that are now um, who I would have never thought I would even meet, you know. Um, I, I, I just want to say that my participation in CHP and in hip-hop was meant to be and I recognize the blessing and as much as I want more I am satisfied and happy with where I'm at now um but the kid in me will not allow me to just stay home you know I still want more in our next episode we meet another member of the alliance and the crazy hood family Drain a multi-talented artist producer and photographer whose role played an important part in the success of Crazy Hood Productions. Tune in and listen to his story. New episodes of Family Ties come out every Monday. Family Ties is a Crazy Hood Productions. This episode was produced by DJ EFN and myself, Jay Havana. Our theme music is titled Southwest by DJ EFN featuring MCA, Blue, and Cam with production by the guild if you like what we're doing please rate and review us on apple Podcasts. 
It's a great way to help new people find out about the show. Also, check us out on Audioboom and CrazyHood.com. Always authentic.